We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Hey, listen, have you ever been scared to do something? Have you ever been afraid to embark on uncharted territory? You know, that thing in your life where you needed like big, hairy, and audacious faith. You know, one of those things that, that's so scary that if God does not show up in the middle of this thing, we are bound to fail. Like, I need God to show up and not just show up, I need him to show out on this. I remember it was 2013, Christina and I got the crazy, intense, amazing feeling and call to come to Niles, Michigan and plant a life-giving church. It was December 2013, and we were scared out of our mind. We were scared out of our minds because, number one, we'd never planted a church before, and so we didn't even know what to do. Number two is, I didn't even know if I really still wanted to be a pastor. And God was like, no, you're going to go plant a church. That's what you're going to go do. (laughs) Number three is actually we lived in Niles in 2009 for a year. And if I can be honest, it was the worst experience of our lives. So we didn't want to go back to a city that we never wanted to return back to anyway. And the fourth thing is, if you plant a church, you've got to be some sort of crazy Because there is so much that goes into launching a church from the ground up. We knew no one. We had no money. We had no idea where to start. And so in 2014, Christine and I decided to put our faith, our our actions where our faith was, and we moved to Niles, Michigan, and started laying the groundwork of what would be called Relevant Church. I mean, a crazy thing happened when we moved into the city. We're like, God, we need you to be with us. And and we know that you're calling us to this one thing. And then we had our very first Bible study where we're calling all these people and everybody's excited to be there. And the only people that showed up was Christine and I. We were disappointed. We were so sad. Well, at least I was disappointed, really sad. But listen, if you are a man in here looking to marry somebody, if you are a husband here who has a wife, make sure your wife is as godly as this woman right here. Because she says, it doesn't matter if it's just me and you. God has called us to this thing. He's going to bring us through this thing. So 2014, we just, we gathered a few people, and over the years, we started gathering more often and, and bringing people together. And January of 2016, Relevant Church was launched, and we were excited because we knew God was with us and what he had called us to. He was bringing us through, and it was an amazing experience. And I'll tell you what, this is what I've come to discover Where God guides, I think we got a slide for this, where God guides, there he will provide. And can I tell you the truth, y'all? Every single person sitting in this room is the fruit of the faith that God placed inside of us. God's divine favor met our human faith. 
and everybody sitting in this room today is because of a group of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed people back in 2016 who decided to say, yes, we'll go where you lead us. We'll go where you follow. So last week we were in Numbers 13. This week we're in Numbers chapter 14. Give you, an, give you a little background to why we're here. Years and years ago, before this story is taking place, there was a man named Abraham. He was just kind of doing his own thing, and God showed up in his life and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to take you to a land of promise, but I need you to trust me. I need you to get up right now and go to the land that I'm going to show you because out of you is going to be a lineage, a heritage of so many people with so many families that you are going to be more than the sand on the seashore. And so Abraham got up with his wife, and started embarking to this land that he had never been to, that he had never known. And here's the reality of it. He had to go by faith that he was going to have a lineage even though he had no children. And the fact of the matter is, the Bible says that he was past childbearing age. His wife was past childbearing age. So the long story short is they have children, And their children begin to grow in number, and they start to multiply, but they get into a place called Egypt, and in Egypt, the pharaoh there looks at all these children and saying, these these people that are growing, and I don't know, these people might take over our land, so let's make them slaves. So now it feels like the promise is lost because the people who are supposed to inherit a land have become slaves to people. And now they're stuck in Israel, and God raises up a man called Moses. And he rekindles that promise to Moses, says, listen, there's a land that I need you to take my people to, so I need you to go to Egypt. I need, to go to the, I need you to go to the world's superpower. I need you to stand in the front of Pharaoh, who honestly wants to kill you, and tell him, let God's people go so I can take them to the place where he called them to many years ago. Moses is afraid. He's scared. He needs to have big, hairy, audacious faith to go. And Moses is like, God, I can't do it. And God says, you can do it. God, Moses says, I can't do it. God says, you can do it. So eventually, Moses concedes, and he follows God. And you know what Moses finds out? Where God guides, he will provide. His faith meets God's favor. The result is millions of Hebrews released from Egyptian slavery. And now they're headed to this land that their ancestor Abraham was promised. They are the children of the promise. They're about to inherit everything that they were going to inherit. They're going to inherit wealth. They're going to inherit lands. They're going to inherit a whole bunch of stuff. And through them, God was going to rescue the world. And so that's where we find them last week. They're standing between here and the promise. And so what do they do? They send these spies to go into the land. They spend 40 days. They look around. They're like, man, this place is dope. And they come back. 
And they're like, hey, guys, uh, what, what did you guys see? Because this was supposed to be a vision trip. This wasn't supposed to be a military uh, uh, exercise. This was supposed to be, hey, I need you to go over there, see what's over there, so you can come back, cast vision, so we can be excited to walk into what God has for us. Well, two of them are like, man, this place is great. And the rest of them are like, nope. We're going to die. There's nothing but death and pain and suffering on the other side because the people over there are giants. The land looks like it devours people. And God would not set us up for failure, would he? See, here's the deal. (laughs) Isaiah 43, 19, like we always say here at Relevant Church, God wants to do a new thing in Israel. There is communities to conquer. There's ground to gain. And that's where we find them in verse chapter 1 of Numbers 14. It says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. I wish we would have just died in Egypt. Why would you bring us to this place where we are scared out of our minds, where we are going to die? If we enter that land, we are not going to beat the people in that land. They're going to trump us. I wish we would have died in Egypt. Then they go on and say, or would that we had died in the wilderness? What? I wish I would have just died right here in the wilderness instead of trying to pursue that thing God has called me to. And listen how crazy they get. They say, why is the Lord bringing us into this land? To fall by the sword? What is wrong with God? God, why would you do this to us? Why would you set us up for failure? God, why would you put me in between a rock and a hard place? God, why would you put me in this situation? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? What? To slavery? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They're scared out of their mind. God has given them the promise to enter the promised land. God has given them an inheritance that was promised all the way from their forefather, Abraham. And they're like, I don't know if really God is with us. So they begin to grumble. But this was their MO. Every time while they were walking through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, every time something would happen, every time they would reach some sort of hardship or some sort of tension, they would grumble, they would complain, they would whine. Can I be honest? I'm a complainer. I am the chief executive Officer, COO of Complainers International. (laughs) When things get hard, I complain. I am a grumbler. I am Eeyore extraordinaire. (laughs) Don't let me get a common cold. The whole world is over. Christine, I can't do anything. Are you really leaving the house? What am I going to do? I'm a, I, I get it. I get scared, too. Anybody here just want to admit, like, hey, I get scared, too. I get scared, too. They're complaining. They're so down on themselves. But this is the crazy thing. 
Not only are they complaining, now they're starting to accuse God of cruelty and injustice. The God who's led them out of slavery. The God who sent them out of slavery with silver, gold, with property, with, with, with cattle, with all this stuff. They went in there with nothing because they went in there because of a famine, and then they left with everything. They started out with lack, and they leave with abundance, but God is mean and injustice and cruel. But that's not even the worst. Now they're starting to say God is a sadist. What does that mean? He takes joy in people's discomfort. Is God enjoying this? Why would he bring this? He brought us here just so we can die at the hands of other people? What's wrong with God? Is he sadistic? And they realize where they're at, they can't stay there. They realize if we stay here, those people can come and get us. There's other people in the region that can get us. So we can't stay here. And so what do they do? How about we just go put ourselves back in slavery? How about I can go back and put myself back in bondage? And many of us get to that point in life where we get so scared about our current situation that going back to the evil that we knew beforehand seems easier. Point number one, if you're following along, fear will lead you back to bondage. I've been single for so long. I'm tired of being single. I might as well go back to the guy who only calls me when he needs something. Man, I knew that this addiction wasn't good for me, but I'm tired of feeling hopeless. I'm tired of feeling lost. The, the only thing that's going to make me feel better if I just take one more hit. Maybe I can numb all the pain. I'm scared about my situation. Hey, you know, my, my finances are super low, so maybe if I skim a little bit over here, nobody would notice. It won't hurt anyone. Fear will cause you to go back in bondage and put you in a situation. And as you know, when you go back, it's always worse than it was when you first got there. Verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. This is a symbol of lament. This is a symbol of grief and sorrow in the ancient Near East. They're sad. They're, they're like, what is, what is going on with our people? Why are people so broken? And said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. It's good. If we get there, it's good. We've been there. We've seen it. We imagined ourselves there. We saw the fortified walls. We saw the lush uh, vegetation. We saw all the animals. The people dwell in places that we're going to take over. It is good. <laughs> I love this because I can just hear 
them saying that. You ever have somebody in your, in your, in your family, your, your friendship circle, who's like, they're just, they're just like a, a smart eight, dollar sign, dollar sign. Because listen to what they say. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, the land that flows with milk and honey. If the Lord delights in us, come on now, y'all know the Lord delights in them because he's been with them since the beginning. He gave them the promise before they even knew they had a hope. And God is like, I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And they're like, if God... Let's just throw it out there, Pastor Ron. If God delights in us. I mean, Egypt. If God delights in us. I mean, the manna when we were hungry. If God delights in us. Oh, that Red Sea thing? If God delights in us. He said he'll bring us into the land. That he promised to us, the land flowing with milk and honey. He goes back to the promise that was given to Abraham. I'm going to take you into a land. And do you know what's interesting? The land that they're about to go to, guess who's buried there? Abraham, their forefather. So all they have to say, hey, remember how God said he was going to give us the land? He took Abraham there already. We're just going to go meet him. He's already blazed the trail. He's already opened the door. God has laid him there. He's put the stake down. He's like on the moon, like, boom, we here. We're not going anywhere. This is our land, our forefather. The person who got the promise is laid to rest right there. But if God is with us. And then he gives him a challenge. Only do not rebel. Everybody say rebel. rebel. He says, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I love, I love Joshua and Caleb. First, they're making jokes like, if God is with us. Come on, you dummies. And then he goes, the people of the land are bread for us. When's the last time a piece of bread you were about to eat got up and smacked you in the face and be like, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't going to eat me today? (laughs) He's like, these people are powerless. Bless you. I'm always the last one. I hate it. Thank you, Rhonda, for getting my back. He's like, a piece of bread is not going to come up and smack you in your face and say, you're not going to eat me. These people are powerless. God has overcome them. God is with us. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's make this thing happen. Don't rebel. Don't fear. We got this thing. And you would think. You would think, Alex. This would be good enough for him to be like, you know, if God was for us, he's kind of been for us. If our ancestor Abraham was laid there, Katie, we might as well just go ahead and give it a shot. Right? 
Verse 10. Then all the congregation said, stone them with stones. Like you can stone people with something other than stones. The whole point of the term is a stone. Stone them. Kill them. Let's murder them so that we can go back to slavery. I am so scared, Kel, that I would rather commit murder so that I can go put myself in bondage. I don't trust God that much. Let's kill him. Forget that. I know the land has much promise. I know that there's more ahead of us. I got to keep preaching, man. I got to go fast because this is, I got to go. All right, here we go. God shows, and then God shows up. Ha! Woo! I love that. Verse 9, then all the congregation said, stone them with stones. But the glory of the God, Lord, appeared at the tent of the meeting to all, who, uh, uh, all the people of Israel. God was like, excuse me? What you going to do? Let me hear that again. And listen to God's word. This is so visceral. Just listen to, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? How long will they disrespect me? How long will they hate me? How long will they disregard who I am? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? What do you not believe in God for despite or in spite of all that he's done for you. Many of us can point back to our lives where we were at our lowest of lows and we can only admit that I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. God led me out. A lot of us can point back to places of our lives where we were so broken, so in bondage, so addicted, so whatever, and God came and the miraculous hand of God brought us out where we look back and like, how did that happen? It must have been nothing but God. But how often we forget that when we get to the place where God is like, okay, now I need you to trust me. See, before you didn't need to trust me because I just did. Remember, when the children of Israel received the word from Moses that they were going to be let out, they were like, are you crazy? They're not going to let us go. And so Moses went and did a little thing, and God did all the ten plagues. And all they had to do is stay at home in the night, put a little blood on their doorsteps, get up, gather a bunch of stuff, and leave. They didn't need to have faith for that. But God will always bring you to a crisis of faith when he's about to take you to the next level. See, God needs, to, God needs to see if you think of him as a genie or if you think of him as the God of heaven and earth, the God who is the provider, God who you can trust, who you can lean on. Point number two. 
Remember how I asked you guys to repeat the name rebellion? Rebel, fear is the forerunner of rebellion. Fear is the forerunner of rebellion. Three things I want you to write down real quick. There's three signs of rebellion. Remember, Joshua and Caleb says, do not rebel against the Lord. What you're doing is rebellion, guys. What you're doing, you're becoming anarchists right now, guys. Like, like, do you know who you're playing with right now? You're rebelling against God who created you, who has protected you, who can snuff you out in just a thought. The God who loves you, who did everything so that you could be rescued, who heard your cries, who heard your deepest soul-wrenching, gut-wrenching cries. That God is the same God you're rebelling against. And some of us in this room may be in rebellion and we don't even know it. Three signs of rebellion. What does he say? He says, do not rebel against the Lord. The first thing he says, do not fear the people. Fear is the first step of rebellion. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can get out of this thing. I don't know if my marriage is going to be able to make it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to graduate. I don't know if I'm going to be able to close this deal. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Fear is the first sign of rebellion. Where in your life are you afraid? Remember last week we talked about, we ended that says, identify your fears. That's all I wanted you to do, identify your fears. Man, that time clock is moving so fast. Y'all, you give me a few more minutes in preaching. Number two, disregard of God. God said, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? Where are you disregarding God in your life? Where is God saying, I need you to do this, and you're choosing not to do it? Because it's uncomfortable for you. Because you don't like it. Ooh, can I, can, I get, can I get hit home for a quick second? <sighs> Woo! Ah. <sighs> This is going to sound real. Y'all going to get mad at me. Too bad. I got to preach the Bible. Let me just use the most common one, the most common one found in every single church. I'm fearful that I will not have enough money to pay my bills, so I will disregard God's word on tithing. Fear. Disregard. First two signs of rebellion. Third sign of rebellion he says, how long will they not believe in me? Unbelief. Distrust. Well, God's word says this. Well, you know what? I don't know. Maybe we just interpret the Bible different. Well, God's word says this. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if that's really supposed to be taken literal or not. Now I start compromising, right? Unbelief. Signs of rebellion. Fear, disregard, unbelief. Going back to the example, that you, the most common example. I just use that because it's the most common example. Or I'll use a different one. I'm, a scared, I'm scared to be alone. I'm fearful of being alone. 
So I'm going to disregard the word of the marriage relationship, only that covenant in which we sexual relations take place. So I'm disregarding God's word and having sex outside of marriage. But the word says, don't do that. Well, I don't believe it. That's archaic. That has nothing to do with the world today. We, don't, we have to understand the world we live in today. Can, 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 I, just, can I just tell y'all? Rebellion. Rebellion. I'm not condemning anybody in here. I'm just preaching to you what the word says. So don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. (laughs) Don't stone me. (laughs) With stones. (laughs) (laughs) Point number three. This is heavy. Fear will cause you to forfeit your future. Verse 21, jumping up to verse 21, this is God speaking now. But truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled, that, that, that word right there, shall, is, is really important for us to look at. He says, but truly as I live, I'm here now, I live, right? And as the world shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. What's happening here is God is reassuring his covenant to use Israel to reclaim all nations. My earth, the earth will be filled with my glory because through Israel, I'm going to bring the Messiah who's going to redeem the world. All earth will be filled with the glory. This is a sure thing. It's going to happen. How do we know? Because the whole world is already filled with the glory of God. Remember on 30 Second Theology when we went through all of those Super Bowl commercials? The whole world is a God ad. The whole world is already filled with the glory of God, and he's telling them it will be filled with the glory of God as soon as the Messiah comes and redeems the whole world. Can I tell y'all something, church? And the whole world will be filled with the glory of God when the King of kings and the Lord of lords descends with a mighty shout and the sound of a trumpet, and he comes to this world to redeem his people. All will bow down and declare he is Lord. He says this, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, verse 22, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have uh, not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despise me shall see it. So I went through a couple of names of the message. The first, what I wanted to call this message was the danger of disobedience. And the second one I thought about calling this was the signs of rebellion. But you know, God called us to be life-giving church. 
So God dropped this in my spirit. He says, listen, this is what I want you to tell the people, the fight for faith. We are in a fight for faith. Because the algorithm of this world is always going to lend us towards rebellion. But the economy of God, the currency of God's kingdom is faith. He tells them, listen, not one of you guys who have seen my glory and none of the men who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times. Ten times literally means a whole bunch of times. Again, this was their MO. They would always test God. They would always challenge God. They would always despise God. They would always complain against God. He says, not one of them will see the promised land. Everybody who saw my signs, Exodus 7 through 13, rescue from Egypt. Exodus 14, 15, crossing the Red Sea. Exodus 16, 31, manna from heaven. None are getting in. Oh, yeah. Remember how I was with you? Remember how you saw me come through for you? Remember how I did all those things for you? Now you've just forfeited your future because you decided to rebel against the same God who did everything for you. Now they're losing out on the promise. Now get this. Help me make make sense of this, y'all. Help me make sense of this. They're losing out on the promise they've been waiting for. They're losing out on the promise they were destined for. And they're losing out on the promise they were rescued for. How many of us are waiting for God to do something in our lives? Rhonda, how many of us are waiting for that thing that God has destined? And we know it. We know it deep in our soul. Like, man, I know that I was destined for more. How many of us, Tammy, have been rescued from the bondage of bad relationships, from the bondage of addiction, from the bondage of self-doubt, from the bondage of uh, of being abused, from the bondage of uh, of bad situations, from car crashes, from uh, sickness, from all types of pain. How many of us have been rescued? Why would we give up on the very promise that God was leading us protecting us, guiding us to because we're scared, Emily. Because we're scared to be alone. We're scared to not be financially all right. We're scared for what's going to happen to my kids. I'm scared. I'm afraid. Fear will cause you to give up your future, make you forfeit your future. And now they're choosing to settle for the average of slavery. Then experience the abundance of freedom. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he is a different spirit. Everybody say different spirit. 
because he is a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. What was in Caleb that wasn't in the rest of the people? What was in Caleb and Joshua that wasn't in the rest of the people? It says there was a different spirit. This is emotional and psychological disposition. Do you know, simply, can I, just, can I just make it just real simple, Isaiah? He was just loyal. Remember, Caleb didn't deny the fight. He just refused to bow to the fear of the fight. He's like, yeah, we're going yeah, to have to go in there. Yep, there's giants, there's all types of stuff. We're going to go. I'm not denying the fight. I'm not saying that we're not going to fight. But I got to tell you guys, these people have already been beaten because God's on our side. So we can go. He had a different spirit. He was loyal. He was going to trust God. He's going to say, listen, though you slay me, I will follow. And if you said it's mine, I'm going to go get it. And I wish there'll be two or three people in here who will say in 2020, I don't care how scary it looks. I don't care how big it looks. I don't care how much it'll stress me out. I am going to walk into 2020 and beat this thing. I'm going to go and possess my land because God said I would. Isn't it crazy that as rebellious as they are, you still see the loving grace of God? How? Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, now since the Amalekites, this is still God talking, now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys in this area that you're in, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. I'm going to protect you even in your disobedience. I'm going to protect you even in your rebellion. You're not going to see the land, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to take care of you because I'm a good God. I'm a good father, and I love you, and I will make sure that no harm comes to you by guarantee you what? You ain't seeing what I promised you. You're still saved. You're still going to heaven, but guess what? You ain't going to see the land that I promised you here on earth. You're still my child, but guess what? You're not going to see the peace that path us all understanding on this side of heaven. My God. Verse 32. Check this out. This is one of those messages that's like a cliffhanger. This is a four-part series. So you know when you're watching a Netflix series and you get to the end of it and you're just like, yo, what's up? Like the, the next episode, I still got, I want to watch the next one. That's the whole point of this one. This one, we're not gonna, we're not gonna have a resolve at the end of this message. I'm just telling y'all right now. Spoiler alert. You just gonna have to be here next week and hear the next one. Verse 32. This is this is this is this is heart-wrenching. But as for you, still talking to the children of Israel, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. Hey, be careful what you wish for. Remember verse 2? Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness? Okay, have your wish. You will die in the wilderness. Verse 33, and your children shall be shepherds 
in the wilderness 40 years. Check this out. Shepherds were wanderers. They were nomads. They had to go from place to place to make sure that the animals had grazing ground and had to be fed so they would never be stable in one place. He says, hey, you know, your kids who you thought were going to be the prey of the people, the kids who you were trying to protect, now they're about to be unprotected. They're going to be in a place where there's not going to be walls surrounding them. They're just going to be in the wilderness wandering for 48 years. Remember, you did this. They will be in constant danger. The kids who you thought I was taking into danger, no, now you've just put them in constant danger. He says, they'll be in the wilderness 40 years. They shall suffer. If you're following along, I want you to say that next word. They shall suffer for your what? For your faithlessness. Your kids will suffer because of your rebellion. How many in here will readily admit that we've suffered because of the sins of our parents? We've been placed in harm's way because of the sin of our parents. We've got hang-ups because of the sin of our parents. We've got uh, inner turmoil because of the sin of our parents. God says, listen, because of your faithlessness, your children for 40 years will have no rest and they will suffer. Because of your faithlessness, they will watch you die with unrealized dreams. They won't have any proper burial ground for you. They're just going to have to figure something out. And this is going to happen for 40 years. Remember what we said last week? When you see 40, it means something. 40 means what? Purging, purification, or preparation. See, the first 40 days that they spent going through Israel, I mean, through, through the promised land, that was for purpose and preparation. And now the next 40 years are going to be purging and pain. And God told them, once you're out of Egypt, in Deuteronomy, he, he, he reassures them, do not return to Egypt. You will not go back to Egypt. I do not allow any of you guys to go back to Egypt because Egypt is a sign of bondage. Egypt is a sign of pain. Egypt is a sign of cruelty. Don't go back to Egypt, but here's the deal. You can't stay here. You can't go forward. So now you're stuck in a state of limbo. You're in a state of incompleteness. And there's people in this room who have a state of discontentment and incompleteness in your life, knowing that there are dreams that you should have realized by now, but you haven't realized, and you don't understand why you feel stuck in this wilderness. It feels like you're just going in circle every single day. You wake up in the morning, and it feels like you're just going in circles. And God, can I get a break from the situation? Because it feels like every day is nothing but going in circles. I feel incomplete. I feel lonely. I feel like... There's no direction. I feel like I've got no purpose, and I'm just going in circles, in circles, in circles, in circles, in circles. And God says, you don't have to be in that situation. I've already created a path to the promised land. 
I've already done the work for you. Will you trust me? Last point. Fear will lead you into a prison when only faith can lead you out. You're in a prison of incompleteness. You're in a season of feeling like my life is just going in circles. Fear will lead you into a prison. Only faith will lead you out. And let me tell you this, I've been working on this message and trying to say, okay, God, what do you want people to know in this message? What's the bottom line in this message? And what's interesting, that God will not let this one line go when he gave it to us on Vision Sunday. See, fear will lead you into a prison where only faith can lead you out. Do you know why? We said it last week. We said it on Vision Sunday. I believe this is a theme that God wants all of us to learn in this room right now for 2020 and our life beyond. Divine favor must meet human faith. Divine favor must be met by human faith. God will always open the door, but he expects you to walk through it. God will never usurp the human element. And isn't that so gracious by him to help, to invite us and to participate in our own sanctification? To participate in our own miracles? He says, listen, I want you to have a piece of this. I will do everything that I need to do, Omari. I just need you to trust me and take a step of faith. Mike, I've got some divine favor for you. But I need you to meet it with human faith. See, God called the children of Israel to be pioneers of a new possible. For the entire world. He says, I'm about to do my greatest miraculous act of condescending myself into human form. To walk in a broken world, even though the divine and the non-divine cannot coexist. I will cloak my holiness And be God with you. And children of Israel, you guys are about to partake in the greatest miracle that has ever taken place on earth. That is Jesus Christ coming to this earth, living and dying for the sake of the world. That all who call upon his name shall be saved. They can have eternal life. Chains will be broken. Marriages will be healed. Addictions falling away. Pain gone away. 
Because I've got a new promised land for you guys. The promised land that you see right here is a precursor for the promised land that you're going to live for eternally. We don't have to worry about giants. We don't have to worry about sickness. And he's calling the children of Israel. He says, this is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to bring a new possible for the entire world. But like we said a couple of weeks ago, as Pastor Christine preached, she says, we are pioneers and not settlers. But here's the thing about pioneers. Pioneers must overcome personal fears to impact someone else's future. This life is for you, but it's not about you. There's a generation that's coming ahead of you that needs your faithfulness. There is a people that's going to enter these doors 20 years from now that are going to be there because Rhonda, because Katie, because Joe, because Angie, because everybody in here decided to have a little bit of faith. But faith is risky. Faith is risky. I'm, I'm so over my time. Forgive me, y'all. Faith is risky. Big, hairy, crazy faith, though. Faith is risky. Big, hairy, crazy faith? That risks all. Big, hairy, crazy faith puts it all on the table. It cashes all of its chips in. It says, I'm all in. Can I tell you guys something? When I think back about those days, Rhonda, Lewis, PC, in 2016, that was risky. But I believe 2020 is the year for big, hairy, crazy faith. <laughs> We've got to go big or go home because we can't stay here. This is good, but this ain't the promised land. This is nice, but we ain't there yet. This is all right, but we got room to grow. We can't stay here. We've got to keep going. We got to keep building. We got to keep, there are cities to save. There's grounds to gain. God wants to reclaim this region and bring the next possible for this community, region, and world. Are you with me? We can't stay here. Everybody in this room, 2016 was all about you. 2016 was the faith that brought you in here. 2020 is for them. It's for the next 20 years. It's for the next 30 years. It's for the next 40 years. We can't stay here, baby. We got to go. We got to go. Who's them? The little kids and re-kids right now who are learning about Jesus. Who are going to be our next worship leaders up here singing? The little kids in the toddler's room who are going to be sitting here talking about 2020 was for us. 2040 is for them. It's for them. It's for them. 
I believe God is raising up a generation of people with crazy faith who are willing to do what it takes to go out and see a community saved. I believe that there's a generation of people in 2020 who want to go out and prophesy to dead bones and say, you will rise. Dead dreams, you will rise. Dead hopes, you will rise. Dead brokenness, you will be healed. Dead pain, you will be restored. This is what this year is about. We can't stay here. This looks good. We're all in here. We're looking good. Yeah, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm done. There's a new possible ahead of us, guys. And this new possible is attached to you. Every single person in here. God is inviting you into a new possible. Because you know what I believe? There's some dreams and there's some hopes in your life. There's some dreams and some hope in your life. And God is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me for a new possible? Yeah, that's good where you're at right now, but you can't stay here. Because here's the deal. What got you here won't keep you here. I need you to get there. I need you to go forward. There's people who need your faith. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there. I was going to wait a little while. But you guys saw a vision video last week, a couple weeks ago on Vision Sunday about a new space that we're dreaming about. A new space that I believe that God can do incredible ministry through. You know what? That's our giant. That's our giant. I believe that there's a promised land in that space. I believe that there's going to be people who are going to be walking in those doors who are going to have their lives transformed in that space. But I wonder if I got a group of Caleb's and Joshua's in here who is saying, if God be with us. If God is for us, who shall come against us? If it's impossible for man, it's a new possible for God. And I want to just put the number out there. What it's going to cost for us to get into that building. Why am I sharing this? Because I've been wrestling about sharing this all week. Because I believe that there may be somebody here who can easily say, oh, I got that. We can make that happen. I believe there's a group of people in here who are like, oh, we can make that happen. I believe that there's a church in here that says I'm willing to sow whatever it takes to make sure that we create a space for people to find faith in Jesus Christ, for people to discover that Jesus is relevant because we can't stay here. By the way, our lease is up at the end of March. We can't stay here. Praying for an extension. Glory to God. But here's the deal. This is the fourth extension we've got. We can't stay here. This is what I'm believing for. This is our giant. $300,000. In the grand scheme of things, this is chump change. But for a growing church, this can be a giant. This can look like a hill that's hard to climb. This may look like something like, I don't know if we got that. And can I tell y'all the truth? Right now, we ain't got that. Are we close to it? Nope. Do we have a fraction of it? Uh-uh. Do we have a little small insignificant portion of it? Maybe. But there may be somebody in here who just got an inheritance 
and God has been stirring in your soul, says, would you trust me on this one? Would you give this to my work? There may be somebody in here who a week from now is going to receive a call like my friend did a year and a half ago. Hey, this is your father's lawyer. There's some things that he had left for you a long time ago that you didn't even know about. Move down here. Come, come down here. Come meet with us. They walk onto the bank. Well, she didn't realize that her father had been gone, but he had also left her a fortune. Hey, I'm not saying anybody's going to pass in your life. I'm not saying that. But there may be somebody, there may be an ancestor way back in your heritage who God had made a promise that, hey, at the beginning of the city of Niles, it was created as an outpost to bring salvation to the natives here, to bring Jesus to the natives here. And those four sovereign nations held this city. The only flag that needs to remain standing is the banner of Jesus Christ. And so there may have been a promise back in the 1700s, 1800s that you're about to realize in 2020. And God may be calling you and saying, hey, I need you to be the one that helps fight this giant. So I'm putting it out there in faith, believing that God wants to do something in this house. There's a new possible ahead of us. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? This space ain't about relevant church. It's about Angie and Denver and dope sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The space isn't about relevant church. It's about Jalen, J4, having dance competitions out there and bringing in the entire community, the culture, and bringing it into a church, and they be over there pop-locking and doing their thing for Jesus. This building is about our next generation who God is raising up in this community. See, here's the deal. Everybody in here, we all got some age on us. We ain't young. We got some students here who are going to be the next generation. This building is for them. This building is for the kids and re-kids. Imagine what God can do when people trade fear into faith. Divine favor must meet human faith. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.